<laughs> Thank you, Lord. And Father, we just we even want to do that right now. Lord, we pray uh, for the leaders in this country. We pray for those that are in authority. We pray for our governors and the senators and the congressmen and the, the, all, the president and the, and the vice president. All those are, that are in any kind of political leadership are judges that have to make decisions on a daily basis. Father, we, we just lift them to you, Father, that you would have your will done in their lives. Father, you would guide them, that you would give them wisdom, you would give them direction, and that they maybe even, Father, even the ones that don't even know you, that claim maybe that you don't even exist, Father, that they would just begin to, to make decisions based on, on your word, based on what you're doing, and it would even just kind of amaze them, or they'd go, wow, why did I do that? <laughs> because you impacted them, Lord, so I come, or come, let your kingdom Come in this place, in this country, Father. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Your will that's in heaven be done here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start, as I shared with you guys last week, um, we're going to start um, looking at what we call the vineyard distinctives. And what that is, is this. It's a fancy word for saying, as a vineyard, which is who we are, we're part of a, a group of churches, an association of churches called Vineyards. And there's literally over several thousand, a couple of thousand people, vineyard churches around the world right now. We're not, we're not an island in and of ourselves, okay, as a vineyard church here. We're connected with a group of other vineyard churches that are like-minded churches. And we have what's called kind of a vineyard distinctives, which is basically, bottom line, it's just it's our value system. It's some of the key things that we value. It's kind of who we are. It's our, it's our DNA. It's, it's this, this is just... This is just us. This is who we are as a vineyard. And, and, and in saying that, it, it, we're not saying that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Okay? What we're saying is, is this is just this is what we believe. We're saying this is some of the key uh, values that we hold to and some of the things that we, uh, that we stand for as, as a vineyard church. And, and what those are, the ones we're going to hit over the next probably seven, eight week, weeks is the main and the plain. You can go ahead and throw those up. That's one of the ones, actually, there's one I'm going to share about this morning, the main and the plain. Um, come Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come, the now and the not yet. Everybody gets to play, worshipers God, and rescuers of people. Those are going to be different sermons and messages that we're going to hear over the next several weeks, and several different folks will, be, will actually be preaching and speaking uh, during those times. But this morning, we're looking at the main and the plain. I have a little short video. You guys ready for that? Uh, that we're going to look at real quick. Ken, will you grab those lights, please, man? You know, as we talk about the main and the plane uh, as one of the distinctives of the vineyard, um, let, me, let me break it down into something very, very simple. When all the complicated questions come at us in life, like they do, we're going to have to have the rule of thumb. Let's go back to the scripture. What does the Bible say? What did Jesus do? What did he say? How did he do it? We live in a complex world. And so much in our culture wants to take simple things and make them more and more complex. What about what if, what how? Uh, and, and, and one of the distinctives that I have enjoyed through the years with the vineyard is that we're really a main and plain people. What did Jesus do? The Bible tells us. What did Jesus say? The Bible tells us. How did Jesus handle this? The Bible tells us. So, so we have been committed to the main and the plain thing of, of no one's going to have to wonder, well, what did, uh, 
So the Bible, it may sound simplistic. Well, well, what's the Bible say? Let me tell you something. That is one of the distinctives of this movement is what does the Bible say? And we can never graduate from that. So the main and the plane keep us on course. Like everything, there's so many options today. There's so many voices that we, we have, uh, we've got to defend this and keep this centered. Main and plain, folks, keep it simple. That's why it's one of the major distinctives. <laughs> Amen? The main and the plain. What is, what, what's that mean? What is that? Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but um, there's a lot of opinions out there. Have y'all noticed that? Um, everywhere you go, somebody has an opinion about how things ought to be done, how it ought to work, how we ought to do this, how you ought to do that, how you ought to live. And, and everybody's kind of got their own, uh, their own thing. Um, we, I mean, we literally live in a culture today where there is no, um, there's no absolutes. There's no plumb line. And, and, and we live in a society where it's kind of like everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Um, in fact, is, that's not uncommon to what happened biblically back in the, remember reading the book of Judges? There's several different places where it says in Judges that they just did what was right in their own eyes. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of the society or the culture that we live in right now is, is, is there's no standard that, you know, you can do whatever you want. There's no right or wrong. Uh, tolerance is still the, you know, the big word. You got to be tolerant of everybody and let them do their own thing. And because we don't have any, there's absolutes have kind of become bad in the society we live in. And so, um, you know, for us, the main and the plain, uh, which was actually one of Wimber's uh, sayings is is that um, what that means is what for us is it means several things we're going to look at. There's three different things we're going to look at. One, if you just heard Phil, who's our national director, is that the Bible is central to us. And the Vineyard Church, we believe in the book. We believe in the Bible. We believe in in what it says. We don't, we we uh, when in other words, when we're when we're faced with a question in our life, when we're faced with some kind of issue or something that we're wondering about, we have a standard. Okay, we have, a, or a, you could put it like this: There's a, we have a plumb line that we can that we can go to, and we can look in the book and see uh, what did what did Jesus say about that? How, how did he live? How did he respond in those kind of scenarios? And so, you know, now obviously there's there's things that we live in that you're not gonna you're not gonna see, you know, Bob go do this, or you know, if you're trying to decide should I, um, you know, should I buy this car? Or not. I mean, you, you won't probably go in here and it'll say, you know, Bob, you need to get this Dodge truck, okay? Um, but that's kind of where the Holy Spirit comes in, <laughs> right? And, and here's the key. Here's the point. The Holy Spirit or the or revelation that we have from God and hearing God, which we all get to do that, we all get to hear Him, which is one of the kind of the, the everybody gets to play, uh, it's what you hear from God is never going to contradict what's here. And that's a key. So don't come and say, you know, God told me to do so and so, you know, when it's real clear in the scripture that God didn't say to do that. In fact, as he probably said the opposite. You with me? In other words, if you if you came to me and said, you know, I was praying the other day, and in fact, as I even had a dream about it, and I was praying about this. And I felt like God told me, he wants me to live with my girlfriend before I get married, just to see if we're compatible or not. 
I've heard people say that. <laughs> and you know what? It's pretty clear in here that's not what you're supposed to do. So I'm going to look at the person and say, you may have had a dream, but that was the pizza you had. It wasn't God. It's not the Lord. He doesn't contradict what he said. So it goes with this. But he can give you some clarity on, is this person the one I'm supposed to marry? That's where you listen and you pray and you go to God. But this is, the Bible is central to us. Jesus, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 22. He says this, You are an error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. He's, he's talking to his folks. He says, Guys, you're an error because you don't, you don't know what the Scripture says. You don't know what, it, you don't know what, the, you don't know what the book says. And, and, and for us, see, when you think of this as being the main in a plane, it's, it's this. It it's really even goes past just mentally knowing this. It's an experiential knowledge of this is what he's talking about. So as I, as I, I'm, I, the only way for me to know, listen to this for a second, the only way for me to know this is to spend some time studying and reading and praying through it, and asking God to, to speak to us. And, and as he does that, Kevin mentioned journaling it, writing it down. This is what God said to him, so you can go back and remember it. So God likes to speak to us through his word, and that's, that's the main in the plane. We are a people of his word. Number two is, in the world with no moral absolutes, we say that the Bible, and this kind of goes with the first one, we say that the Bible is our plumb line, or it's our gold standard. It's, 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 it's where, in other words, when life gets complicated, we've got something we can go to for a standard. When, when things get tough in our life, or when we've got questions about how do you do this, or how do you do that, we've got a standard that we can go to, and we can look in the Scripture and see, you know, what did... What did Jesus do about that? Or how did, he, how did Jesus... Or what's, what's the Bible say? In fact, it's in Romans, it says this. Romans 15, 4 says this. For everything that was written in the past was written to what? Written to teach us. Why was this written? To, are you there? Hello? It was written to teach us, to instruct us. Look at this. This is powerful. Man. It was written to teach us so that through the endurance, everybody loves endurance, right? Don't you just love to endure stuff? You know what endure means? It means you're going through pain <laughs> or hell. Gonna, that's when you endure, okay? And so the, te- the Scripture teaches us so that through endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have Hope. Isn't that good? I mean, that's, this, this, if you get in here and you're going through a tough time or going through a struggle or going through and you feel like you're just barely making it, you can get in the book and the Bible, the scripture through the Holy Spirit will begin to teach and begin to speak to you and will begin to give you hope. Man, that's good, Bob. Thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> He'll give you hope. 2 Timothy 3 says this. You need to be writing these scriptures down so you can go back and study them. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is God-breathed. Don't you like that? God-breathed. 
God, God breathed this. God, as holy men of God, wrote it down. God was breathing it into them as they wrote it down and, and, and put it in, in a form that you and I can have. It was God breathed. And is useful. Here's, here's some good stuff right here. This, the scripture, is useful for teaching. For what? Everybody say rebuking. rebuking. Don't you love that? <laughs> Don't you just love it? Don't don't you just don't you stand in line and want to get rebuked? I mean, that's just exciting. <laughs> Not, but it's good for us. It's good. The scripture's good. If I'm, and we said this last week. If I'm if I'm headed down the wrong path and I'm doing something wrong, don't. don't you know, if you're smart, don't you want somebody or something to tell you you're going the wrong direction? And you probably ought to turn around and go this direction. That's what the Scripture is good for. It's good for rebuking. It's good for correcting us. It's good for showing us the right way to go. I mean, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want to go the right way? <laughs> I mean, the Scripture is good for that. It, it, it teaches us. It rebukes us. It corrects us. And it trains us into righteousness. Look what it says. Why? Why does it do that? So that the servant of God, that's us, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that good? Why? That's why we have this. That's why this is important to us. It's our standard, and it's our standard, it's our standard forever. This will always be our standard. Next year, it's our standard. Five years from now, ten years from now, fifty years from now, this will still be our standard. It's not our standard until we get smarter. It's not our standard until we come into this age of of scientific modernism or whatever you want to call it, into this age of enlightenment. And now we're so smart and we're so scientific and we know all the answers. Now all of a sudden, we don't need the book. It's forever. Our standard. Nothing's going to change that. Nothing. I don't care who finds what. It's not going to change that. I don't care what scientist comes up with what. This doesn't change. It's the standard for us. First Peter says this in chapter 1. Peter makes this statement. He says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living, enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But, but what? The Word of the Lord endures forever. It doesn't change. It's not impacted by the culture. It's not, it's not impacted by what the new thing is. It's still enduring forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every, every kind. Like newborn babies, what? Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Isn't that good? You can grow into it. You can, you can, you can crave this. This is, this is food. This is, this is food for our spirit. It's food for our soul. It's food for our bodies. This is food. Just like you, just like you get hungry for pizza 
or whatever it is you barbecue, whatever it is that, that you get hungry for, and you, or a good steak, or, or whatever it is. This, is. this feeds us. This is where life comes from. This is where nourishment comes from. And listen to me, guys. You, you, you have to dig into this. Hello? Look at me. I can't give you enough in 30 minutes or 45 or an hour, however long I happen to go that day. I can't, I can't give you enough to last you for the week. I can't. How, I mean, how many of you have gone to one of those all-you-can-eat buffets and you just pigged out? Don't raise your hand. I mean, you just left there stuffed. And you thought, God, I won't eat for a week. How many of you the next morning got up and ate? <laughs> Why? Because you got hungry again. You, you, can't, you can't get enough in one sitting, in one, in one meal to last you forever. You've got to keep going and feeding. And that's what you do. That, that's, look, you get to hear God speak through this to you. And He feeds you in that. You don't have to hear me do it. I'm just kind of the, I'm the dessert. I like that. <laughs> Don't say anything, Gary. I'm the banana pudding. There you go. <laughs> Man, I could go so many places with that. Never mind. Anyway, we got to all get it. We got to dig in. And here's the third one. John, what John went, the man in the plane was kind of one of his sayings or colloquialisms. And what he meant by that was stick with what's clear. He'd often made this statement. I, I can remember him saying this years and years ago. Back when there was a, there was a, a movement coming through the, 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 the vineyards and there was all kinds of, the Holy Spirit was just falling and, and, and crazy stuff was happening and, 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 and it, was, it was fun. Okay? Were any of y'all around then? I mean, it, it was just, God was just, just across the board. There was some crazy, but there was some also that went with that, there was some weird stuff happening. And not all of it was God. I, I, that happens occasionally. The counterfeits come in. So not all of it was God. And so Wimber kind of coined this phrase then. Guys, preachers, you guys that are in leadership, don't, don't try and defend that. Stick with what's clear. If God does it, let it happen. But don't try and make that happen. Don't try and biblically come in and find something that says this is what's happening. Stick, he said, his point was stick with the main and the plain. Stick with what's clear. In other words, don't, don't just, don't, don't get caught. And there's other parts of that as, as, as preachers of the word, don't get caught up in controversial things in the scripture. Stick with what's clear. There, look at me. There's, a, there's enough clear in here to keep us busy the rest of our lives. <laughs> I'm serious. There's enough clear stuff in here for us to try and figure out how to live and live it to keep us busy till Jesus comes back. We don't have to spend any time in the controversial. We don't have to spend time trying to figure out what nobody else understands. <laughs> wow. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, made this statement. God will not hold us responsible to understand the mysteries of of election, predestination, and divine sovereignty. He won't hold us responsible to understand those. 
the best and safest way to deal with these truths is to raise our eyes to, eyes to God and in deepest reverence say, O oh Lord, Thou knowest. You with me? Some of the things in the book are hard to understand. You're not going to figure it out. It's been debated for the last thousand years. And don't spend... What he's saying is, it's, it's just better off to say, God, I just don't understand this. But you know what? There are some clear things in here I understand. I'm going to live them. That's what he said. I can remember in seminary, and this was 400 years ago. I, I, literally, literally, listen. Every day in seminary, every day, without a fail, every day, we would have some kind of argument, some kind of debate on whether, whether we are predestined or whether there's free will. Every day. Whether Jesus is coming back pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, or who knows when. We'd have that debate. Every day. It was one of those two debates. And you know what? Nobody knows. <laughs> I could biblically, right now, I could biblically teach from the Scripture that you are elected and you are predestined and God chose you and picked you out. I could show you that from Scripture. Or, from Scripture, I could show you that you have a free will to choose. I can do the same thing with pre-trib and post-trib. I, from Scripture, I can tell you, Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. I can show it to you. Or I can show you that He's coming after the tribulation. Or some people even say mid-tribulation. The point is this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't spend a bunch of time trying to figure out the mysteries of God. They're called mysteries for a reason. Right? You, you, we, we won't get it. Like this, I told somebody, I wish people would quit guessing when he's going to come back. You know what? If somebody guesses, Jesus isn't going to let anybody throughout eternity gloat over the fact they picked the day. So if he decided to come back on March 23rd of 1970, or 20, not 1917, we'd already be there, wouldn't it? Of 2017, and somebody picked that date, Jesus would change it. <laughs> Just so that person couldn't gloat for the rest of eternity. I mean, have y'all been around? Do you remember in 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back? Guess what? He didn't make it. Next year it was 89 reasons why Jesus was coming back. So stick to the plain and the clear. Let me finish reading this statement. I love this. Oh God, you know us. Those things belong to the deep and mysterious profound of God's ominous. Prying. In other words, debating and discussing. Prying. And to these makes good theologians, but it'll never make saints. In other words, you, you can become an incredible theologian. And it, understanding the mysteries and the, whether it's elected or not elected or it's pre or pre, understanding and, and having a, a biblical framework for that and, and spending all your energy and time studying and pushing that and teaching that, it makes good theologians. But you know what? Does it help you love your neighbor? That's his point. Does it help you become a stronger follower of Christ? Does it help you, does it help, does it help you be like Jesus? Not normally. Keep it simple. Here, here's an example of that. In Revelation chapter... In fact, just turn there with me. Revelation chapter 2. Here's an example of keeping it simple. Revelation chapter 2. Even just turning to the book of Revelation is simple. It doesn't seem like it goes together, does it? 
Look in Revelation 2. The first few chapters of Revelation are pretty clear. Here, look what it says. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. This is Jesus talking to the church. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I know that you tolerate wicked men. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Man, that sounds pretty good. We'd be, we'd be, good job, church. Way to go, Vineyard. You're doing good. And then he goes on and says, Yet, I'll hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do those things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'm going to remove you your lampstand. And he goes on to say that. Here's, here's my point. They were doing all these things, but they had lost one of the clear, basic tenets of Scripture. They, weren't, they had lost their first love of Jesus. They were doing a lot of stuff, but they weren't in love with Jesus. That's what it means to go back to the simple. Keep it clear. In fact, in, Revelation, or in Matthew 22, Jesus says this, Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? That was a question that they were asking Jesus. Jesus says this, Here's, here's the most important. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commandments. I think you and I could spend the rest of our lives here on this planet working on that. Couldn't we? I, 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 think we could, I think we could spend the rest of our lives working on loving God with everything that's in us. Our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole strength, our whole soul. Just, just, just loving Him. That's worshiping and pouring out adoration to Him and, and giving Him everything we've got. Loving God. Loving Him with everything in us. He's, he's, he's the preeminence. He's the first. He's the, he's the thing we love the most. He gets our attention. He gets our affection. He gets our finances. He gets, he gets our time. We, we love Him with everything that's in us. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, just, could, could we just, what if we just, what if we just got those two right? <laughs> I mean, as a church, as, as, as a body of believers, just even this church, just this local church, what if you and I really spent our time and energy working on those two things? What do you think would happen? Whatever, you know, you know what happened? What Jesus said. All the laws fulfilled in that. That's what would happen. If I love my neighbor, you know what? I'm not going to treat him bad. I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to covet what he's got. I'm not going to go over there and rob him. I'm not going to, I probably won't cuss at him. I'm probably not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably treat him nice. I'd probably have him over for dinner if I love my neighbor. I mean, think of think of all those scriptures. Think of, and I'm not telling you don't get in the rest of it. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But think of all the 
all the commandments of Scripture. Think of, think of, all, the, of all the things that, in just the New Testament that we're told to do, of how to live. Think of all those things. And doesn't loving God with everything you have and loving your neighbor, doesn't it fulfill all those? See, I'm, I'm not going to gossip about somebody if I love them. I'm not going to slander somebody. I would admonish them because the scripture says to, because I love them, not because I think I'm better than them, not because I think they're sorry and good for nothing. I would rebuke and encourage and exhort if I love them. I mean, just, just I mean, would that, wouldn't that just be a novel idea? I mean, how, how cool would that be in five years from now, ten years? How cool would it be for the people in Jacksonville to go and, and make this statement? You know what? That church over there, they love God and they love people. That'd be a pretty good endorsement, wouldn't it? I'd, that'd be a pretty good thing to say about us. I'd take that. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all in for that. Rather than, rather than, you know what, that church over there, man, they are against this. They're anti that. They don't like that, and they don't like this, and you can't do that there. I'd rather be over here where they just, they love God and they love each other. Wouldn't that be fun? See, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's, I'm simple-minded. I don't know. I, 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 can, I can work on two things. <laughs> Seriously. I can, I, can, I can put my mind, both of my brain cells can line up around two things. If you give me a hundred, I'm just, I'm, you know, what's, men can't focus but on one thing, is that right? And women can multitask, that's, that's what they say. Right. <laughs> but just give, give me a couple. Give, just, Let's just, let's just say, you know what, guys, as a church, we're going to commit for the rest of 2016, we're going to commit to these two things. That's the main and the plain. That's what it means to go back to the main and the plain. And there's so many other scriptures. Paul tells Timothy to, to preach the word. Be passionate. Get, 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 get passionate about something. Amen? I mean, get, just get excited. I think... I think that would I think that would do something to attract people. If you were just excited about something, just show some passion, some enthusiasm of, of, of over something. They'd make other people want it. They may look at you like you're nuts, but they're gonna go, man, he's a, he's excited about that. <laughs> he believes it. He's passionate about it. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. We need passion. And the psalmist, there's a couple places in Psalms. Psalm David says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's back to the plain. It's the basic. Another scripture in Psalm 119 says, your word's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Your word, God, what's it do? It directs me. It, 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 as I'm walking in the darkness, it's a lamp into my feet, a light. It shows me where to step. It shows me how to walk and how to how to navigate through the through the hard times and the and the tough times and the struggles in my life. The word will help me navigate through those things. That's going back to the main and the plain. Get in the word, study it, learn it, memorize it, get it in your heart. 
When life seems complicated, go back to go back to the simple. You know what I mean when I say life gets. Any of you ever life get complicated for you, or I'm the only one around? When it gets complicated, just get back in here. Go back to the clear. Go back to you know what? It's, I don't understand this, God. I don't get it. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this problem's happening. I don't know why I'm having to struggle with this. But you know what, God? I'm. I'm just going I'm I'm going to love you right in the middle of it. God, I'm just I'm going to put my focus and my attention on you instead of all this stuff. I'm going to zero in on you, Lord. I'm going to love you with everything in me, and I'm going to love my neighbor. And I I that it, that's I know I can do that with your help. <laughs> I can do that. I, and God, you're just going to have to work the rest of this stuff out. I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to fix that problem. I don't know how you're going to solve that. But I'm just going to trust you to do it, Lord. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste any more time worrying about it. Amen? Amen. How much, how, how, why do we do stuff that doesn't do any good? <laughs> Seriously. Why do, we, why do we spend time worrying about things when worry won't impact it at all, it won't, it won't fix it, it won't change it, it won't solve it. The only thing it'll do is affect you. It'll make you have anxiousness and anxiety and ulcers and sickness and, and problems in your health. That's what worry does instead of just trusting God. Go back to the simple. What do I do? I trust God. What do I do in this situation? I love on God. What do I do when this happens? I just put my face toward him and love him. I, I go back to what I know. I go back to the clear and the plain. I stick to it. Because it, you know what? It gives life. Doesn't it? It's the, it's the bread. It's, it, it, eating gives you life. Eating this will give you life. It, it'll fill you up. It'll, it'll, it'll touch your heart. It'll, it'll, it'll make you where you don't. It's just, just, okay, God, it's you. Amen? Josh, why don't you guys come on back up, or you come up, or whoever's coming up. (laughs) Let's do this. Let's stand. Let's stand up. I want to pray over you guys, and then we're going to have some, uh, some ministry time. I want to just pray for you guys first, and then Josh, you can lead us in a song if you would. Father, I, just, I pray, Lord, for the folks here. Lord, I just I pray that you would stir in us, Father, stir in us a fresh hunger, or stir in us a, a, a greater hunger for you, for your word. Father, stir in us a passion for what your word says. Father, I pray you just you would just ignite that in us. Begin to begin to uh, just stir that in our hearts, stir that in our in our being, in our soul, and our minds. Begin to begin to just uh, just stir that up in us, to where we have a a hunger, or where we have a, a a thirst, a desire for you, for your word, to get into it and to, and to hear your voice through it. Lord. 
Let it come, Lord. Do, do a work in our hearts, Father. Stir it up in us. Just a greater hunger for, and, and passion for, for what you say, for what your word teaches us. And Father, I just I ask that you would forgive us, Lord, for where we have placed other things in, in, in that place, Lord. Where instead of your word, we've gone to other things. We've gone to uh, just there's so many other things we could turn to, looking for comfort, looking for uh, looking for help, looking for uh, something to just uh, uh, to encourage us or to give us, like I said, comfort. Uh, Father, that when we when we substitute other things for you, Lord, when we make them idols in our life, Father, I pray you would just you would cleanse us of that and forgive us from that, Lord. May we seek you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just let's worship uh, the Lord uh, for a minute, and then we'll have some ministry time.